The Buffalo Bills invested a lot to revamp the defensive line this offseason. What can we expect from this group in 2022? I'm breaking it all down today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, or if you are joining us on the YouTube channel, your first watch every day. Well, we've worked through all of the offensive position groups when it comes to the preview-type episodes that I've been doing where we reflect on 2021 we talk about what's new and what does that tell us about the group. I get into my biggest questions now and in the future, and then I close with my expectations for the unit. So we did the offensive side of the football. I did my stat predictions on Monday for the offense, and so now it's time for us to shift over to the defensive side of the football. And today we are going to focus on the defensive line, both the defensive ends and the defensive tackles. And when I researched for this podcast, it became really real to me just how much went into overhauling this position group year over year. So let's get into those dynamics, but first we will reflect on 2021. And my goal for this part of the conversation is to bring up some numbers that can tell us a bit of a story about last season, but then also reflect on the way that I remember, the way that I feel, you know, we're several months now removed from the Bills playing games, and I like to just kind of take a moment and search my mind for those prevailing thoughts when I think back on each player in the position group from the season before. So that's that's one of my big objectives here for this, which I think is important for this position group in particular for me to establish that right off the bat. So let's do this. Let's reflect on 2021. And let's start by talking about the pass rush of the defensive line and the pressure that they were able to get on the quarterback. The Bills did a great job last year of pressuring opposing quarterbacks. But I know that the big gripe out there was they just didn't get enough sacks. And so we acknowledge the pressure was good, but more sacks would have been really, really nice. Now, I don't want to discredit the value of pressures. They're very meaningful things for a defense quarterbacks are worse when they're pressured. They're notably worse when they're pressured. And once we get into the rhythm of our game weeks, one thing that you will realize if you haven't been part of the podcast in years past is I talk about the pressure splits for the opposing quarterback every week that the Bills face, and you will see just how much worse they are when they're pressured. So pressure matters. It leads to bad decisions, hurried throws, uh, all those types of things are very good, but obviously sacks are even better. And I think everybody, even if you are um, fully aware of the benefits of pressure, everybody would like a little bit more in the way of sack production. But I do want to bring up a couple of metrics here that are important for us to have the right perspective and framework in our mind when reflecting back on what this pass rush was last year. So the Bills were number one in the NFL in terms of pressure on the quarterback as a percentage of passing snaps against the defense. 30.8% of the time, 
that the Bills faced a passing play on defense, they were able to pressure that quarterback, number one in the NFL, by a pretty significant clip. No other team was above 28.6%. The Bills, number one at 308 So the Bills did a really good job of pressuring opposing quarterbacks. And they did a good job of getting sacks. They had 42 sacks. That was the 11th most in the NFL. And their sack rate, so their percentage of pass plays that ended in a sack was 7.3%, which was 7th in the NFL, top 10. So the Bills statistically were very, very good at not only getting pressure, but also getting sacks, top 10 in terms of sack rate. Now, I think where there's a discrepancy between what the numbers tell us and the way that we feel about the pass rush last year was how ineffective it was against the top offenses, right? You think about that game against the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. The Bills got good pressure on Patrick Mahomes, but they didn't sack him with any level of consistency. They couldn't get him down. You think about that Bucks game, you know, another game where the defense didn't really meet expectations. They had a hard time sacking Tom Brady. And so I think in those big moments, that you're, you're wondering, well, gosh, if we could have made one more play in terms of rushing the passer, making a sack, could have been a different result. There's other games as well. But I think that's where the discrepancy can be found in the way that we feel and remember about the season and what the reality of the numbers tell us. Now let's look at the run defense. The Bills last year were number 13 in the NFL in yards per game at 100 point, excuse me, 109.8. That's how many yards per game the Bills conceded as a rush defense last year. And they were 11th in yards per attempt at 4.2. So the Bills were just outside of the top 10 when it comes to run defense. And, you know, there's been this narrative about the Bills and stopping the run, and it's not been a strength of their defense. And I agree it's not been a strength, but it's not necessarily been as bad as some people would tell you that it is. I think the biggest issue for the Bills over the last two seasons, but really last year even more so, was not so much stopping the run as it was not allowing the big runs. You know, the Bills gave up some monster runs last season. You think about Damian Harris with the Patriots. Leonard Fournette had some big runs. Of course, Jonathan Taylor, some big runs. That's been the problem. They're getting gashed on some bigger runs. It's not a, you know, five, six yards a pop. It's, you know, you bottle it up and then you get you get gashed for a 60-yarder. Like, that happened too often last year. And so I think that's where they need to find a little bit more consistency, and I'm hopeful that with some of these defensive line reinforcements that they can finish more, right, finish more sacks, but also be a little bit more consistent with their run fits on defense. Now, looking at some of the players, or not some of, all of the players that are returning from last year, and there's not many. The Bills are only bringing back four of their defensive linemen from last year. That's it. Four. Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, and Ed Oliver. Everyone else is gone. So let's quickly reflect on what those players were last year. Greg Rousseau, first-round pick, thought he was awesome against the run. Not just for a rookie, right? Greg Rousseau wasn't just a good run defender as a rookie, he was a good run defender regardless. He was phenomenal in terms of being able to process the run, respond, squeeze gaps, stay leveraged, all of that stuff, really, really good. 
and he had some flashy moments as a pass rusher. But obviously, that's kind of where we're looking for the growth this year. But I think all things considered, you know, a guy that inexperienced at defensive line to come in and be a rookie starter from day one for the Buffalo Bills, the best defense in the NFL, and to be able to make the impact that he did as a pass rusher at times, right? You think about that Chiefs game. What he did as a run defender, I think, was phenomenal for where he's at in his football career. I'm really satisfied with what Greg Russo was as a rookie. A.J. Epinesa, you know, after the preseason, he was really good. After that Miami game, you thought this was it, right? Epinesa was ready. He arrived. It would make an impact as a sophomore, but, you know, he was really quiet, inconsistent more than anything. He wound up being the fourth defensive end, and, you know, he was behind Rousseau and Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison for playing time. And so it's time for the training wheels to come off for A.J. Epinesa and for him to make a consistent impact for this team. But there were some flashy moments, and and there's likable things about A.J. Epinesa. I don't think he's anywhere near a lost cause. But it needs to happen this year. Boogie Basham, you know, he didn't play a ton last season, but I was encouraged when he was on the field. I do think that he had some bad weight on his frame which took away something from his athleticism. You know, he's a guy that plays with good energy, plays with good hustle. And I think that if it all comes together for a Boogie Basham, he can have an impact a lot like what Mario Addison was for the Bills last year. But he definitely got lost in the rotation. He didn't play a ton. But what I really like about Boogie Basham is how he finished the season. I think his three best games of the year might have been against the Jets, the wild card win over New England, and the Kansas City game. And so I'm encouraged with how Boogie Basham finished his rookie season. And then the last player, Ed Oliver, you know, I thought he had his best season of his career last year. That one technique spot stabilized a bit with Harrison Phillips, and he was able to come into his own. You know, his presence was felt all year long. He got better as the season went along. You felt his impact. He's only 24 years old. I mean, this is his age 24 season. And so I like I'm, I like where Ed Oliver's at in his development. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. They've got everything you can imagine over there. Major League Baseball, football's futures, boxing, golf. It's all there. Vegas casino games. Check it out. They have a super easy-to-use website that's available on your desktop or your mobile device. Check them out. Bet online. It's where the game starts. So what's new about this position group, this defensive line, and what does that tell us about the team? You know, I, I think it's important for us to look at the actions that a team makes, right? It's, it's good to listen to press conferences and hear philosophy and all that type of stuff, but teams will tell you what they think by the moves that they make, right? And this team overhauled this defensive line. We know that the Bills will keep nine or ten defensive linemen. Well, they're only returning four of their guys from last year. There's a lot of new faces here with this defensive line group. The Bills said goodbye to Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Harrison Phillips, Starlo Talele, F.A. Obata. All those guys are gone. Now in the mix, 
Von Miller, Shaq Lawson, Tim Settle, Daquan Jones, and Jordan Phillips. There's been a major overhaul here. The Bills gave out $150 million in contracts to revamp this defensive line. The Bills committed 7.65% of the 2022 salary cap to new defensive line additions. What does that tell you? They weren't happy with this group last year. They were not happy with it. They felt like it needed to be overhauled. And we know that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott preached D-line, you know, from the day they took over in Buffalo, the resources have been invested on the defensive line, and that hasn't stopped, right? I, I don't think they've gotten it to the point where they're comfortable with it. I do think that this year is a chance to be that year where they look at this defensive line rotation and say, wow, we got it right. We got the group that we really, really like in here. But there's been some flops, right? Vernon Butler, Trent Murphy. You know, we're waiting to see what happens with A.J. Epinesa. Starlo Talele, you know, like he was okay early on, but the last few years have just not been good. There's been some miscalculations here. Now let's hopefully hope that this $150 million worth of contracts gets it right because I think this could be the difference in the Bills winning the Super Bowl and not is the performance of this group. They gutted the interior defensive line especially. Gutted it. You know, they're going to keep four defensive tackles. Ed Oliver's the only guy that remains year over year. Three new faces on this interior defensive line. You go from Ed Oliver with Starlo Talele, Harrison Phillips, and Vernon Butler to Ed Oliver with Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, and Jordan Phillips. They wanted to redo this interior defensive line, and they did that. And they did that with players that you feel good about what you're getting in a Daquan Jones, a guy that has been the model of consistency as a one-tech for a long time in the league. Jordan Phillips, a player that you know what he was able to give your defense for a couple of years already. Tim Settle, a player that you have really good intel on because of you know him being part of the Washington Commanders and Ron Rivera and the relationship with Sean McDermott. You know what you you feel good about what you're getting in these players. They gutted that defensive tackle room. And then you look at the defensive end situation, and you say goodbye to Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison and F.A. Obata, and you welcome in a legit dude in Von Miller, right? They needed a star on this defensive line, and they got it in Von Miller. And they added Shaq Lawson. And to me, that to me, the Shaq Lawson piece of this is we need somebody to really push Epinesa and Basham. And so that's what that's what this signals to me. Hey, we need a star, we need a dude, we need a difference maker. Got it in Von Miller. And then we need somebody to push these young players, mainly Epinesa and Basham. And we accomplished that in the form of Shaq Lawson. That's what's new, and that's what it tells me about the way they perceive this defensive line. So what are my biggest questions now and in the future? Got six things down here. Number one is expectations for Von Miller and how to measure his impact, right? I think we're all really curious to see Von Miller on this defense and how, how he can make a difference. 
And I'm not going to sit here before you today and say that if Von Miller gets 12 sacks, it will be a great season for him. Because I don't think you're going to be able to measure Von Miller's impact by sacks alone. You're going to measure it in how you feel his presence and how he will make plays behind the line of scrimmage and how he will heat up the quarterback. And most importantly, how he will change the way offenses block the Buffalo Bills defense. He's going to command a ton of attention. There are going to be running backs and tight ends that are going to chip and, and focus extra attention on a guy like Von Miller. And what does that mean? It means a lot. It means that they are going to keep eligible receivers in to block. That means less players that the Bills have to account for in the secondary and in the coverage. It's going to free up opportunities. It's going to free up opportunities for a guy like Ed Oliver. It's going to free up opportunities for a guy like Greg Rousseau. So, yeah, I expect Von Miller to, you know, be a productive sacker, right? Like, I think he'll get 10, 11, 12 sacks. But to me, that's just a, a piece of it, right? It's how his presence in the lineup impacts the players around him and how offenses deal with the Buffalo Bills. It's going to change the math. It could change the math. If you are deploying Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips, and Mario Addison, or insert Greg Russo for Mario Addison, whatever you want to do there, the guys that the Bills had last year, who, who do you have to pay extra attention to there? Who do you need to keep your running back in to chip? Who do you need to keep your tight end in to widen the rush angle and deal with that edge presence? Nobody. Now you got a guy in Von Miller that changes that. And so instead of using five eligible receivers, now you only have four. That's how Von Miller is going to change the dynamics of this Bills defense. It's not just going to be sacks. It's all that other stuff, too, that we have got to count for. Number two is what is Gregory Rousseau's ceiling? Will he reach it this year? I don't know. Maybe not. But I think he'll take a step. I'm not expecting any bit of a drop-off as a run defender, but can he become a little bit more dynamic of a pass rusher? Can he string together counters a little bit more effectively? Can he play a little faster as a pass rusher? What is his ceiling? Will we find it out this year? Imagine that. You got a couple of dudes and Greg Rousseau and Von Miller off the edge. Can A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham make an impact? You know, I, I feel a little bit bad lumping Basham and Epinesa together because you're talking about a guy in Boogie Basham who was a rookie last year and A.J. Epinesa who was a, who was a second-year player. It's, not, it's almost a little unfair to Basham to lump him together with Epinesa, right? But we just do, even though that's unfair. How can those guys take a step? Well, first of all, there's going to be opportunity. I mean, these guys are going to play a, a fair amount of snaps. I'm excited for Boogie Basham to have cut some weight. I think that'll help him a lot. I think he can build off of what he did late in the season last year. And for AJ Epinesa, I, 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 wonder, I wonder what it is with him, right? I wonder what it is. 
There's been flashes, but he's yet to make a consistent impact. And that's what makes me excited. Number four, I have will Shaq Lawson become a meaningful piece. I think there's a chance that Shaq Lawson could be the third or fourth defensive end, but I think what he really brings to this team is pushing those young guys. You know, Shaq's a player that's been in Buffalo, obviously first-round pick, spent some time there, bounced around the last couple of years. But I think that he can come in and really, really drive Epinesa and Basham. And maybe that leads to one of the two or both of them taking the step they need to do, or maybe that means that Shaq Lawson just jumps him and winds up being a, a more effective player for the team. But I think that he helps us find that answer, right? Shaq Lawson's presence will help us find out what the Bills have in Basham and Epinesa. Number five, how will Ed Oliver continue to grow and evolve? I'm so encouraged by the path that he's on, and I don't think we do a good enough job of acknowledging the transition that he had coming from Houston, you know, a, a, a mid-major school, playing nose tackle in a gap-controlled defense to becoming an NFL player, having to play as a penetration-style three technique. And then as he's trying to develop, you have instability next to him at one tech. There's been some challenges. But we know that Ed Oliver is gifted, and we've seen the impact that he can make. And I love how that showed up with a lot of consistency last year. I think you can you can honestly say that you felt Ed Oliver last year. Well, I think it could be even better this year because I think the entire defensive line or defensive tackle rotation is better. And yeah, Von Miller is part of this defense. Number six is will the Bills be right about the revamped defensive tackle rotation? Will they be right about it? To me, I, I personally look at Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, and Tim Settle as a better trio than Starlo, Talele, Vernon Butler, and Harrison Phillips. I, I think that is objectively a better trio of defensive tackles, especially when you buy into the untapped potential that exists with a Tim Settle. But will the Bills be right about it, right? That's what I want to find out. I think there's a good chance that they are. But based on a very significant flip where you you basically said, not basically, you cut Starlo to Lele, you kind of redid Vernon Butler's deal so you can get out of it this year, even though you kind of had to pay him more than you wanted to last year. And then you, you chose, you made a choice. You said, we'd rather have Daquan Jones and Harrison Phillips because like we talked about on herd mentality, the money's not really that different. You said, we want this player instead. Let's, uh, let's hope they're right. Let's close things out with my expectations for this unit. And I just want to kind of go through the players here. I, I think I have nine, uh, the, guys, the nine guys that I think will be the most meaningful parts of this defensive line rotation and just offer some very quick thoughts about my expectations for this unit. For Von Miller, go be that dude, right? Go be that dude, that game wrecker, that guy that it's a long and late down. We know that you're going to make a play. Be that closer, late in games. They're driving to tie the game. You make that game-changing play. Do all the stuff I talked about a couple of minutes ago that you're going to do for this defense. 
I don't really have any doubt that it will happen, but I'm telling you what my expectations are, and that's what they are for Von Miller. For Gregory Rousseau, I, I think it's about taking a step forward here. I think 2021 was a foundational year for him, and he should be able to hit the ground running and know what to expect when it comes to life in the NFL. You heard Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott both talk about a rookie wall for a guy like Greg Rousseau, especially coming into a year where you didn't even play football in 2020, right? All of a sudden, you go from your big monster year, 2019 at Miami, you don't play at all in 2020, and now you're a 17, you're a 19 game starter in the National Football League. We shouldn't think lightly about that transition. And I think he'll know what to expect and prepare for this year. And so I think from that that perspective of things, he'll be better suited, but also he'll grow, right? He'll improve as a player. And one thing that I've preached and preached and preached on this podcast year over year is that when we consider the Bills and how they can improve as a football team year over year, you know, too much focuses in on it, too much of the time we focus in on new acquisitions, right? New players that the Bills can sign or trade for or draft. And we don't focus enough on players already on the roster improving and getting better. And to me, a guy at the top of that list in terms of an existing player that can elevate his game and change the dynamics of the team, Greg Rousseau is at the top of that list. His development is one of the most important aspects of this football team moving forward. So I'm ready for a step in 2022. AJ Epinesa, it's a big year for him, right? He's entering year three. And year three is the year that we've seen a lot of Bills players take a major step forward. And that needs to be the case with an AJ Epinesa. He knows exactly what to expect. Year three, same scheme, same coaching since he's arrived in the NFL. It's time for it to come together for AJ Epinesa this season. For Boogie Basham, I want to see him really challenged to be the number three defensive end or at a minimum be the number four defensive end. And here's the thing. Like I just talked to you about Ed Oliver entering his fourth season, 24 years old, a lot of intrigue there. Boogie Basham is 25 years old already and a second-year player. He has to find his way quickly and prove the team was right when they made him a second-round pick and selected two defensive ends in a row. You need to see it in 2022. For Shaq Lawson, force the issue when it comes to Basham and Epinesa. And like I said, that could mean proving that you're the better player and that you deserve to be that third defensive end. But if nothing else, push those guys and, and force them to be the best version of themselves. For Ed Oliver, take another step, right? Make more plays. Continue developing. And leave no doubt that you're the answer at 3-Tech for this defense and earn that contract extension. Earn it. This is a big year for Ed. He goes out and do, does what I think he's capable of. He's going to really challenge for some big, big dollars. Go get it, Ed. Go get it. For Daquan Jones, be the answer at one technique. Do what you've done in the NFL since you've been in it back in 2015. The guy looks like he's in great shape. I think he's going to be very, very motivated to play in Western New York, and he's got a lot of roots in the area. I'm excited for Daquan Jones. Tim Settle, be a breakout guy, right? Make Washington regret that you didn't have more opportunity on that defensive line. I love his makeup. I love his skill set. I love how he's 
you know, reworked his body and really changed a lot since I watched him at Virginia Tech, the opportunity is going to be there. You know, Tim Settle can play 35, 40% of the snaps for this defense without question. Make the most of the opportunity. And then for Jordan Phillips, be that spark plug that you were before when you were in Buffalo. Be versatile. Play the one. Play the three. Elevate yourself as a run defender and remind us that you're 340 pounds and you're super explosive. They rework, they rework this group, and it has a lot of potential. And I think it's fair to say that this is the best defensive line the Bills have had since Sean McDermott took over. And so if I'm sitting here telling you that this is the best offensive line the Bills have put in front of Josh Allen, this is the best defensive line that the Bills have had under Sean McDermott, and football games are won in the trenches, and Josh Allen's your quarterback, feel pretty good about this football team overall. Oh, by the way, they got dudes on the perimeter. Brandon Means assembled a really, really good football team. I'm excited about it. Now it's all got to come together. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I greatly appreciate you guys joining me. Tomorrow, I think we're going to talk linebackers. So that'll be a fun conversation. Don't miss it. Make sure that you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.